This podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. Welcome wrestling fans. Welcome to Curtain Jerkin. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Grandi, reporting for WrestlingWithWrestling.com and the Dragon Suplex Podcasting Network. I told you guys it was going to be a big weekend in professional wrestling, and that prediction was correct. I didn't get a lot of other predictions correct, as you guys know, for listening to the show, but I did enjoy the hell out of myself, and we're going to go right into it. I not only watched Monday Night Raw and Monday Night Football, we'll be talking about that later. I also watched the GCW So Much Fun show, full review of that a little later, but right now, I'm not trying to bury the lead, we have every match ranked worst to first between New Japan Power Struggle, the next... Or, the last big show before Wrestle Kingdom, which is wild to think about. It seems like, uh, I mean, because of COVID, there really hasn't been a lot of prog- like storyline progression uh, in New Japan as much as other years. You know, as many great matches, as many classics. We did get a G1, and we're going to get a World Tag League. We're going to get a Best of the Super Juniors, so I'm not complaining. But we're going to talk about that match that show and every match uh in that show along with uh i feel like AEW's biggest show of the year i know that they're trying to do four big pay-per-views but full gear was crazy last time the first pay-per-view of the uh dynamite era for AEW and here it is the second anniversary of the first show of the dynamite era so it's kind of maybe like as close to a big anniversary show as AEW has given us other than like the AEW Dynamite anniversary they had a few good matches but this was card was fucking stacked and I'm going to just dive into it right now I do have to say I fancy myself somewhat of a critic but every match on both of these cards were great or good um which makes the uh Last match, the worst match, ranking him from worst to first, a match with Okada. Okada versus Great Okan. Um, as anyone who listens to my Wednesday Night War rankings know that the first match is usually like a tip of the cap. But this match, I mean, really wasn't. I mean, Great Okan kind of did his thing a little bit, but Okada just kind of, uh, you know, didn't... Uh, didn't tap him out, didn't make him say I quit, but just knocked him out with the money clip. Uh, after a G1 of everyone getting knocked out by the money clip, this was not that big of a deal. Uh, I guess the big deal was Will Ospreay challenged him to a match at Wrestle Kingdom and Okada accepted. So that's really the news. But that's the, I mean, out of two stack shows, Okada comes out number 15. And then number 14, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Yano, which that is the curtain jerker of the show. So we're going to dive real deep into that match. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Yano, uh, KOPW trophy at stake here uh young lions removing the corner pads of the early going here or before the bell rings yano asking uh to make sure all the corner pads are taken off zach saber jr uh kind of uh you know getting the better of yano yano uh trying to put the 
corner pads back on at one point, I guess. Zack Sabre Jr. taking them off, uh, brawling on the outside. Zack Sabre Jr. and Yano getting a forearm battle. Uh, Yano sprays Zack with uh, the spray bottle he's using in the COVID era of wrestling here. Uh, I thought this was hilarious. And then... Um, Zach just kind of wipes out Yano into the turnbuckle, not once but twice, uh, ripping at the ears of Yano, going after the leg. Yano belly to belly. Zach lands one, two, no. Zach roll up one, two, no. Zach going after the leg again of Yano. Yano struggling here, gets to the ropes. Zach. And Yano go outside. Yano ties Zack Saber Jr.'s shoelaces to the guardrail on the outside. So he wins by uh, Zack Saber Jr. not being able to get into the ring by the count of twenty. A lot of tomfoolery. Um, pretty funny ending. Um, but it was it was really kind of you know a goofy little match. But it was the first match on the show, so it's okay. It's at number fourteen. Number thirteen was actually the NWA Women's World Title match, and it's kind of like the Okada match where it just didn't stand out in any other way. It didn't have a good moment, and on two stack cards, an okay match quickly jumps down to the bottom of the list here. But it was the curtain jerker. It was on TNT. It was the kickoff show which is kind of cool because, you know, the NWA women's title defended on TNT, Turner, NWA, TNT, wrestling. It just kind of makes you feel good inside. Right around the holidays, I thought this was a perfect match to put on the buy-in. And it was Serena D versus Allison K. Former NWA women's champion versus current NWA Women's Champion Allison K recently released from the NWA though. Arm drags here at the early going one, two, K kicks out, but D stays on her. Allison K lands a series of strikes. Deeb hits a neck breaker. Deeb uh, staying on her. One, two, K kicks out again. Brawling. One, two, Deeb kicks out. Backstabber by Deeb. Locks in the octopus. Deeb slamming her down here. One, two. But it's Deeb that kicks out. K slammed her down. Deeb kicks out. Guys, Allison stays on here. Uh, big spine buster. One, two. Deeb says no again. Alabama slam. One, two. Deeb won't quit. Deeb rolls her up. She hits the AK-47. Allison K does. That is uh, a version of the Styles Clash hit by Deeb. One, two. K kicks out. And then the Serenity locked in, lock locked in, Allison K taps. So solid little match here. But the uh, first two matches on the show, the curtain jerkers on both shows make their way to the bottom of the cards, which says something about these cards. They're Like I said before, they are very good. We have Cassidy versus Silver, uh, the Elite Deletion, uh, Nyla versus Sheeta uh, at 12, 11, and 10, respectively. And then going into the top 10 here, MJF versus Jericho. 
This match had a solid ending, but uh, it was kind of slow-paced late into the card. It kind of took me out of it. White versus Ibushi at number eight. A little bit of bullshit here going on here, and I feel like it was a solid little ending here. Jay White put his foot on the ropes, one, two, three, beating Ibushi, getting the briefcase. So stealing the briefcase from the G1 winner right up from under him. The first match after the G1, so, you know, good little heel tactics, good little, uh, you know, win here for Jay White, but wasn't much of a match, just like the Jericho-MJF match, I feel like these two, 9 and 10, were interchangeable here, Jericho, um, you know, or Wardlow comes out, gives MJF the ring, he swings from the ring, uh, Jericho ducks, Jericho catches the bat from Hager, but MJF pulls in Eddie Guerrero, falls down as if Jericho had already hit him with the bat. Referee Aubrey Edwards turns around, sees it, but it was a little more to it then. And Eddie Guerrero, he rolls him up from the distraction that he created with the non-used bat. One, two, three. So now that I'm talking about it, maybe uh, Jericho and MJF should have jumped White and Ibushi. It was a little more creative. So it was not that interchangeable. Darby versus Cody, I would say, kind of suffered from the same thing. It was very kind of slow methodical at the beginning but the right guy won i think darby allen with the coffin drop one two three holy shit he's the face of tnt just like he's been cutting these promos way to put over the young talent here with mjf and darby allen um after the match team taz comes out and attacks darby allen will hobbs comes out for the save Pretty good shit here, man. Will Hobbs is awesome. Darby Allen is awesome. Really great shot here of uh, Darby Allen laid out on his shitty car with the TNT title uh, knocked out. Creative as fuck. Number six, Naito versus Evil. And number five, Moxley versus Kingston. Naito versus Evil, we've seen it a bunch, especially during this COVID era of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, it really hasn't delivered up to it. There's a lot of bells and whistles they throw in. Don't get get me wrong. I love the pageantry. I love the bells and whistles. I love the spectacle of it all. Um, It definitely stands out on a New Japan show. I don't know if this much with the New Japan title and the Intercontinental title for for that matter. Um, is something I really want to see. So that's why it's kind of pushed down maybe out of the top five. Moxley versus Kingston was crazy. Um, it was the match we all expected it to be, but I feel like it suffered from the show being a little long. I feel like the the AEW show was good. It was probably great, but maybe one or two matches could have gotten taken out of there and uh, made the show just a little bit shorter for people watching. So I guess that's why it just... Got into the top five. Brutal, good match as it is. Uh, Eddie Kingston quitting with uh, the arm wrapped in barbed wire from Moxley was like uh, a really good way to end that match and like a really good shot of just the bo- both men. Like one guy not wanting to quit, but the other guy uh, able to go that extra mile into the, his ruthless aggression will I say here with Moxley winning but those two matches are kind of interchangeable Kenta versus Tanahashi solid fucking match mostly because of Kenta 
I love Kenta. I love Hideo Otami. I liked him in Noah. liked him in Ring of Honor. liked him in WWE. Even watched 205 Live a lot because he was in there. Uh, and he was great in this match. Messing with Tanahashi's hair. Kenta uh, playing air bass instead of air guitar. Making fun of Tanahashi. And then Tanahashi delivering the air guitar we all know and love on the outside. Huge pop for me here in North Carolina. Uh from Osaka, Japan. A briefcase gets involved. Both men down. Big double stomp off the top. Wrote by Kenta. Kenta taps out Tanahashi. Holy hell. This was a solid match. Second best match on the New Japan Power Struggle card. Number one belongs to Shingo versus Suzuki. This match was for the Never title. Never title that meant to represent the last few years being like, you know, the... uh, the uh, strong style division here and it lived up to the name here both men working real snug suzuki going after the back shingo goes for the main japan but could not get it after the damage done to the back suzuki locks in the boston crab you know we love the boston crab here reviewing all those young lion matches shingo does hit the uh, last of the dragon one two three new champion way to go shingo number two out of these two cards here was Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, the match that I was personally looking most forward to out of both cards, and it fucking delivered. It was the first match on the main show for AEW, and I thought it was going to be the best match on the main show for AEW here. Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, um, Don Callis. The, the booker of Impact Wrestling was there because he's longtime friends with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega comes out not from North Carolina. Quote from the Dapper Yapper. That cracks me up every time being from North Carolina. I don't know if it's supposed to work like that, but I'm a fan of Harley Race to this day because of the promo he cut before his match with Ric Flair at Starcade 83. So I guess maybe uh, I'm a glutton for punishment being from Greensboro, North Carolina, or maybe I just love it mentioned on wrestling shows because uh, our heyday was you know 35 years ago with the nwa mid-atlantic um territory so to have it still mentioned because of guys like hangman page because of guys like ftr because of charlotte flair because of camera grinds because of braun Strowman, because of our truth i can go on and on but i love that it's mentioned here because it plays into uh my personal ego as a person as a fan so it's just it works on many levels here Hot off the blocks here. Chop battle outside. A little hesitation on the you can't escape here. Kenny Omega feeling the wear and tear of this match here. Uh, Big powerbomb on the ramp. Big powerbomb in the ring. One, two. Kenny Omega kicks out. Working snug as fuck here. Tiger driver. One, two. Hangman kicks out. Again, one, two. Omega kicks out. Uh, hits the V-trigger after ducking the buckshot. Omega gets the pin. One, two, three. Kenny Omega gets the victory. I thought this match was going to be the best match on both cards. It's number two. Number one is maybe the best match of the year. FTR versus the Young Bucks. Matt Jackson still selling the ankle 
after his match with Private Party from Dynamite. I thought that was really good here. They hit all the classics. They pay homage to a lot of tag teams, including DIY, which is pretty wild. I know that FTR had a you know, long-running feud with DIY, but you know that's NXT. That's the competition. That's a little wild to uh, mention them without insulting them. Um, speaking of insult, I think Jr. was a little insulted because um, there was a point, a part, or point in the match where Young Bucks had FTR linked in sharpshooters. They hold each other's hands. And referee does not break the hold here. JR a little upset here. It was really cool to see JR like FTR a little more than he liked the Young Bucks and Excalibur, like the Young Bucks a little more than he did FTR this entire match. This match, I uh, can't say enough about this match. It was so good. Probably match of the year. Shoe in for like top five matches of the year but it all culminated with um dash going for a uh 450 splash so their whole thing is all fists no flips but they go for a flip matt rolls out of the way no one home one two three young bucks win I've never been so happy to be wrong in my life. I predicted FTR, um, but they win. They get the tag titles. A lot of hate online. They're booking the shit. They're booking the shit. But, hey, I mean, Kevin Nash put himself over. Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes put themselves over. Um, Anoki put himself over. I mean, we can go all the way to even 2011 TNA um, with Hulk Hogan. Like, if you're booking yourself you're going to book yourself on top. I mean, when I fantasy book and I imagine being a wrestler, I imagine winning the goddamn world title. I get it. And plus, I mean, there can be an argument made with they should have had the titles. So uh, you can't really complain too much that they put the titles on themselves. I mean, there's got to be some self-reflection here within uh, keeping your ego at check, but there's also got to be some self-reflection here in realizing that you're – you know, arguably the best tag team in the fucking business. The best tag team of the decade for sure. So it, it's only right to put the titles on you. I bet if anyone else was booking you rather than you booking you, Young Bucks, you would have probably had the titles a lot sooner. But I digress here. Great cards on either end. Go out of your way and watch the Suzuki Shingo match, the Kenny Omega Hangman Page match, and the Young Bucks versus FTR matches. Those are my top three recommendations. Those are the top three matches on both cards. Now we're going to dive into GCW So Much Fun, one of two cards that GCW did in Atlantic City this weekend. As always here on Curtain Jerkin, we're going to highlight the first match from GCW So Much Fun, and it's Juicy Fanu versus Jordan Oliver. Much talked about wrestlers here in this pandemic era of independent wrestling in North America. Jordan Oliver, if he bulks up, he could be the next Seth Rollins. Juicy, uh... Definitely known for his size here. Giant man. Big strike battle. Juicy just tosses Oliver all over the ring here. Strike battle to the outside. Oliver trying to escape. Trying to roll away, run away, get away from Juicy. Juicy not letting it happen. Going back in the ring. Juicy standing tall. Standing on 
Oliver, standing tall on Jordan Oliver, Oliver yelling, um, going after the leg of Juicy, doing whatever he can to try to take the big man down. Big lariat by Juicy. Oliver going back after the legs here. Uh, cartwheel by Juicy. Gets a giant pop from the crowd. Juicy throwing Oliver into a bunch of chairs. Oliver trying to escape again. Jordan um, ducks out the way. Juicy runs spine first into the post. Uh, Oliver still going after the leg here. Um, but then... Juicy kind of catches Oliver diving, slams him into the post, slams him onto the apron, and then Oliver continues to go after the leg, uh, wearing Juicy down, coast to coast by Oliver. This was a great curtain jerker of a match now that I'm going over the my notes here. Uh, can't get Juicy down, can't get him into the center of the ring after he gets him down. Juicy hits a big GTS and then a standing moonsault by Juicy. One, two, Oliver kicks out. Oliver with the superplex lands a cloud cutter, another cloud cutter. One, two, Juicy kicks out. Shoulder was up, controversial here, but another cloud cutter. One, two, three. Jordan Oliver gets the victory. This was a great fucking match. Anywhere you put it on a card, but to kick off the show, money, money. I love these guys. I love these wrestlers. I'd watch them on any card. Uh, I'm glad that they kicked off this show. The second match was a big scramble. Uh, Austin or Ace Austin versus uh, Holly Dead, who apparently used to team with Thunder Rosa, Arrow Boy from Mexico, Jordan Keys, MCW fame, MCW, the uh, wrestling promotion that Velveteen Dream and Leo Rush are out of, um, Levi Ed- Everett, the Amish uh, wrestler from Black Label Pro and other promotions, and then AJ Gray. COVID free way to be good job AJ Gray not the best scramble I've seen but still a lot of fun AJ Gray gets a victory Josh Bishop comes out cleans house Matt Justice comes out fresh off the feud with Josh Bishop but then joins him rivals or teammates now they destroy everybody then we have Atticus Kogar versus Cole Roderick Atticus getting ladders getting chairs Cole Gets a barbed wire door at one point. Crowd pops. Uh, both get slammed. One, two. Atticus kicks out. Setting up three ladders like it's a table at one point. Atticus stabs Roderick in the ha- head with a bunch of skewers and then drops him on the ladder. One, two, three. Atticus Kokar gets the victory. Um, Cole Roderick looks like he's just bleeding profusely from the head. Ridiculous match. Blake Christian versus Leo Rush here. Wild as hell. Announcers mention it, but the first thing I see when I see this match is we could see this match at New Japan Strong in the Super J Cup. Uh, Leo Rush dives from the middle and bottom rope at one point. Always pop for that move. I don't know if it's because I'm an Austin Aries mark or I just think Leo Rush is a great wrestler, but I love that fucking move. Springboard moonsault. Crossroads. One, two. All heart kicks out. He always kicks out. Christian hitting a huge Fosbury flop to the outside at one point. Uh, Standing Spanish fly. 
high. Springboard 450. One, two, Leo kicks out. Blake stays on him and gets the victory eventually, though. And he cuts a great promo. He says that uh, people never thought he'd be anything in wrestling, but of course he's something in wrestling now. He's, I mean, he's in the fucking Super J Cup. That's crazy to think about. Uh, I never heard of this man before the pandemic. Started watching these GCW shows because they were the only indie wrestling show available. I felt like that was where the story was. And I feel like within the body of the shows, Blake Christian was the story of the story. It's cool to see him in New Japan Strong. He's probably going to pop up in primetime wrestling. He's going to do a lot of stuff here in 2020. 21 and I can't fucking wait for it. Ugly Ducklings versus Iron Beast. Cool to see Ugly Ducklings, but I thought it was going to be a squash match until the match got going, and Ugly Ducklings kind of held their own here. This match reminded me of Survivor Series 98, the Oddities versus Kai and Tai, the best stuff that you can see from uh, a smaller tag team and the best things you can see from a larger tag team. Tombstone Pile Driver off of the top rope not the turnbuckle but the top rope um he walks out an ugly duckling shane mercer walks out an ugly duckling all the way to the middle rope with assists from his tag team partner to deliver a tombstone so this is vintage undertaker through and through a old school met with a tombstone holy shit i think shane mercer does the undertaker better than undertaker could do it the last five years Launch Pod McQuack was utilized here. Lance Lude running at Rob Killjoy for Rob Killjoy laying on his back to just use his legs to launch Lance Lude as a missile into their opponent. Love that fucking move until Launch Pod McQuack, they're launching Lance Lude up in the air. Uh, Ass over tea kettle, caught in the powerbomb position by Shane Mercer. Shane Mercer powerbombs Lance Lude onto Rob Killjoy. Holy fucking shit. And then all of a sudden, they uh, Lance Mercer takes Lance Lude like a belly-to-belly, just throws him over his head for KTP to catch him, and then powerbomb him again on Rob Killjoy. That was fucking nuts. Big Death Valley driver uh, into a door at the same time that Shane Mercer just launches Lance Lewis into a door. Iron Beast get the victory. Gosh darn, was that a crazy matchup. Uh, Bishop and uh, Matthew Justice start a brawl after the match, thoroughly uh, injecting themselves into the GCW tag division. Eric Ryan versus Chris Dickinson here. Eric Ryan taps out to the STO. Solid little match here. Alex Zane versus Tony Deplin. Uh, Alex Zane's last match for GCW here. 450 to the top rope at one point, which was nuts, only to try to hit a Hurricane Rana on Tony Deplin. Tony Deplin, you know, eats the Hurricane Rana, rolls through only to try to lock in a submission 
Alex Zane gets out. Really phenomenal stuff here. Crunch Wrap Supreme connects. One, two, no. Big knee by Tony Devlin. One, two, three. Tony Devlin gets the victory here. Solid match here. Going into our main event, Mance Warner versus Ricky Shane Page. And I got to be honest, guys, I've been watching uh, Mance in MLW for a while. He's been on GCW. I've been watching GCW for the last few months. And I really fucking wanted him to beat Ricky Shane Page here. They pulled something out of me um, that very few matches do. I was on the edge of my seat, popping huge, in the middle of a Monday afternoon watching Mance Warner here. Um, Mance bleeding early. Free Mance Warner t-shirts apparently available. Found that out from commentary. Really cool. Uh, Ricky Shane Page is bleeding. Knee pad off. One, two, three. We all thought Mance Warner got the victory here. But no, the referee uh, said that Ricky Shane Page's foot was under the rope. So the match continues. 4-4-0 come out like the sons of bitches they are. But they get chased the fuck off by Nick Gage, Chris Dickinson. Huge pop here. I don't know if Nick Gage is injured or not. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm just into this fucking match. Another ref comes in after a big, big delay here. One, two, Ricky Shane Page kicks out. Another pin attempt. One, two, Mance Warner kicks out. Uh, RSP uh, uses the front ropes to his advantage, putting his feet on the ropes, just like Jay White did in New Japan, I guess. One, two, three, Ricky Shane Page keeps that goddamn GCW title. Free Mance Warner. I want him to win the GCW title. I want to see him on AEW. I love MLW, but goddamn, let the star shine. Let the star shine. He is one of my favorite wrestlers right now in all of the world of wrestling. I want to see him on TNT. I think he can kill it on TNT. I see Jake the Snake cutting promos. I see Eddie Kingston cutting promos. I see Taz cutting promos. And I could hear Mance Warner's promos. They're that good right up next to them. I can see a lot of great matches from the previously mentioned wrestlers that I just said along with Mance Warner cutting these great promos. Promos can go a long way in AEW. Look at what happened with Eddie Kingston. Lance uh, Archer, unfortunately, out because of COVID and everything. And then all of a sudden, Eddie Kingston talks his way into a world title match, main eventing full gear because of his promos. Mance Warner can fit in that division super, super well. I want to see it. But hey, I watch MLW too, so I ain't over here crying either. But jumping to Monday night, of course. I'm watching Raw. I'm watching Monday Night Football. I'm deciding which one was better for you guys, for your entertainment. Of course, football starts at 8.15, so Raw does have 15 minutes to hook me. Uh, They recapped last week the new Raw theme song, That Bop Slaps, Miz and Morrison come out. Nothing more stale as far as professional wrestling goes as the long-winded promo to begin fucking raw randy orton comes out um they plug Miz and mrs at this point i can't wait for the football game to start new day comes out uh they mention verbal strong style they mentioned that they miss shinsuke nakamura i hear you there 
Um, Drew comes out. Big strike battle between him and Orton. Uh, Miz and Morrison attack Drew. Three on one attack. I changed the damn channel. Jets versus the Patriots. Jets 0-8. They haven't won a game. They have former NFL winning quarterback Joe Flacco, and they're going up against the Patriots, who in their division really just kind of bullies them around for the last like 20 years. They're starting a quarterback who made it to the Super Bowl but lost to the Broncos. Uh, one of my favorite players ever, Cam Newton, being from North Carolina. Uh, so it's Flacco versus Cam Newton, two Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks, uh, kind of in the twilight of their careers, kind of the story here. Jets driving. Uh, they make a field goal, go up 3 nothing. I go back to Raw. Riddle versus Elias versus Hardy. Um, I'm thinking, why couldn't you have just made this a singles match between either Riddle and Hardy, Riddle and Elias? Uh, We just saw the payoff between Hardy and Elias. So, you know, putting them together in a triple threat was kind of shitty to me. Uh, But it doesn't really matter because Riddle did win the matchup here. He's the final man on Team Raw for the Survivor Series team. Cam Newton runs it in to make it 7-3 Patriots. They announced that we're going to get Ricochet versus Ali the rubber match, if anyone who's been listening to Current Jerk and knows how much I love the series of matches these two guys have had, they wrestled twice on main event, and here is the rubber match on Monday Night Raw. They never brought up the previous two matches, but those who know, know. If you know, you know. Holy shit. Retribution promo, whatever. Her business in the back. Gulak tries to join the Hurt Business. Her business ended up jumping him, and uh, that then allows uh, R-Truth to pin <laughs> Drew Gulak, the 24-7 champion, and he gets you know the title back. R-Truth wins the title. This was a pretty good uh, little spot backstage. Lana comes out. She's looking good, but I flip back to football. Uh, huge pass by Joe Flacco, 10-7 Jets, AJ promo, I flip back to football, Jets stop the Patriots uh, on a fourth and one, AJ is still talking when I come back to wrestling, so I didn't miss anything, they set up a match between Sheamus and Strowman versus Riddle and Lee, with AJ being the special guest referee, and apparently a former XFL kicker Made it 13-7 Jets. The This kicker started in the CFL, just like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Made it to the XFL, which is now owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Playing for the Jets, the New York Jets. Last WrestleMania that was headlined by Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in the same stadium. I don't know if you're feeling the vibes, but I'm feeling the vibes. Good on this kicker for making the fucking kick. The tag match goes crazy. Of course, nobody gets along. Uh, Riddle accidentally knees AJ. Sheamus getting in between them. Riddle then accidentally kicks AJ. But then Sheamus accidentally or purposefully kicks Braun for some reason. I'm not really following. Keith Lee 
power bombs riddle onto Sheamus. Shades of Iron Beast here by Keith Lee on Monday Night Raw. And uh, Riddle does get the victory here with a roll-up 1-2-3. So I think uh, Matt Riddle just won like two matches in a row within an hour on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Go back to the game 10-13. Patriots get a field goal. Um, Jets still leading, though. Jets going for it with the final minute of the half. They score. Beautiful touchdown here. Joe Flacco still has got it. If there was an audience here at MetLife Stadium, I'm sure they would begin the chant. You still got it. You still got it. 10 to 20 Jets at the halftime. So uh, this is raw at the halftime, which is a big deal because anyone who's watching Monday Night Football is going to be flipping through the channels. And what do we have? Titus O'Neil versus Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley makes short work of him. Uh, Titus taps. I don't know why they did this here. Uh, Drew and Sheamus in the back. Uh, Drew ready for his match. Doing the New Day claps. Uh, Asuka versus Nia Jax here in the match. That is going against no football. They have Mandy Rose out there. They have Lana out there. They have Dana Brooks out there. Um, I think we all know what they're doing here. There's no football, so they're putting out the ladies, which, I mean, you know, it's hard to say that that's the wrong move. Asuka does get the victory here. Lana does go through a table eight weeks in a row here. This is when Raw kind of feels like Groundhog's Day for me. And you also have a really good football game on the other channel. Granted, it's a 2-5 and five Patriots versus the 0-8 Jets, so I don't know how many people are really intrigued. But as a football fan through and through, as someone who's watching Brandon Cutler versus Peter Avalon on AEW Dark, I'm watching this football game and... You're really not showing me anything that I didn't see last week and anything that I'm not confident in seeing next week on Monday Night Raw. So I'm kind of locked into this fucking football game. The only reason I'm really kind of tuning into Raw right now is because of Ricochet and Ali. I know that that match is going to happen. I've been teased that match. Pat's score making it 17-20. to Jets still leading, but they're only leading by three. Uh, Tucker wins the 24-7 title for like a brief moment in time. That's really appropriate. Grand Metallic wins the 24-7 title for the Lucha House Party for a brief moment in time. But R-Truth pins Lince Dorado, the other member of Lucha House Party, to get the title back. Flacco driving down the field making it 27 to 20 uh, for the Jets. And then we have Ali versus Ricochet, the guiding light of this bullshit of a last half of Raw. Ricochet uh, really controlling the pace here. Lands a beautiful people's elbow style elbow. Ali gets control. Ricochet uh, hits the turnbuckle. Suplex one, two. Ricochet kicks out. Ali stays on him. Big back drop from Ricochet. Uh, They battle through the apron. Head scissors off the apron from Ricochet. Retribution get involved. We go to a commercial break. Back from the commercial break. Both men down. Big strike battle. 
Ricochet gets on his feet only to get hit by a DDT from Ali. Uh, big suplex, one, two, Ali kicks out. Code breaker off the top. This was gnarly as hell. One, two, Ricochet kicks out. Ali taking it to him. Ricochet lands a reverse. Rana goes up top. No one home for this Phoenix splash from Ricochet. Koji Clutch locked in from Mustafa Ali. TKO. Ricochet doesn't really tap, doesn't really give up, but referee calls it because he was getting knocked out. Ali looking strong here. Ali winning the rubber match. Holy hell. This is all I wanted to see and more from Raw. I'm fine with Raw ending right here, honestly. Because as Monday Night Raw starts feeling like Groundhog Day, Monday Night Football kind of picks up. Um, interception from the Patriots. Flacco not looking so good now. They drive down the field. Two-minute warning. Patriots score. Cam runs it in. 27-27. Um, flip back. Claymore kick to Morrison. 1-2-3. As Randy Orton's walking up the ramp. Is this raw from July? Is this raw from August? Is this raw from October? Is this raw from November? I can't tell anymore. I'm really fucking tired of Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. I thought with the added additions of The New Day, Miz and Morrison, um, who else is an added addition into this rivalry here? Uh, there's a few others that they mixed up a little bit with the draft, but two and a half weeks, three weeks into the draft, it feels like the exact same fucking show. Randy and McIntyre on top. But this feels fresh as hell, seeing Cam Newton... And Joe Flacco battle it out on a Monday night here. Uh, Two-minute drill here. Four and out from the Jets. The Jets literally have to punt with 57 seconds left for the Pats. Um, Cam Newton struggles a little bit, but he gets in field goal range. And then Nick Folks makes a 51-yarder to win the fucking game for the Patriots. I mean, a comeback story from the Patriots, who would have thunk? But it was it was the better program on Monday night, I'm going to say. Lots of good wrestling this weekend. As we come into Monday, I'm going to give the nod to football here. I want to know what you guys think. Let me know in the comments below, at JG Pro Wrestling on Twitter, at JG Picture Taken on Instagram, uh, wrestlingwithwrestling.com on YouTube, Dragon Suplex Network everywhere else. As always, guys, fly high. I'm out.